Welcome back for another episode of Counting the Stars. I'm Mary Gillum, and I'm here for morning coffee with my husband, Malone Gillum, where we ponder and discuss the big questions of life. Who are we? Why are we the way we are? What is truth and what is fiction? And just as endless as the stars in the sky are, our exploration never runs out of new questions and discoveries. So grab a cup of coffee for yourself if you like, and join us as we dive into what's unfolding this week. Let's focus in on seeing a little more of life and truth and do some growing up together as family. Here we go. Good morning. Morning. Welcome to your Monday and a new week. Independence week. So, a couple of things that I've been thinking about. Let's see if they merge with any of your stars that you've been counting. Um, the first thing I've been thinking about is... Uh, walking through change and how different people react to change, what that's like, what that brings to us and brings out of us. Um, And one of the things I've been pondering about that is that, you know, as People, I think we're resistant to change at one level because any amount of change brings with it some degree of suffering. (laughs) Um, Because we like to stay put, you know, we like to find our, our homeostasis and not shake things up. We like to, to be settled and, and change messes with that homeostasis. Um, but at the same time, for some people, change and adapting to change comes easier with less suffering. And so that's kind of my launching pad of what I've been thinking about. Yeah, I think our perspectives lend so much to how that happens. The funny thing is while we resist change, change is with us every single day. So it's funny that we try to keep things from changing. I mean, the weather changes maybe incrementally from day to day, but we seasons change. We age so things are always changing, and the fact that we try to keep that from happening is ironic in a way. It's mm. um, you can't stop a train, right? It's uh, so the fact that we kick against that is kind of uh, a useless endeavor because change is inevitable, um, at least in many respects. So yeah, I think. If then we uh, we can see that simply that change is part of life, and hold on more loosely to that, it allows us to then experience change with less suffering because we expect it, and we don't try to 
put up our guard against it so much. And perhaps we can even begin to view it as what's the adventure this next day because or this next change that I'm facing rather than I've got to stop this at all costs. Right. Right. And I see if you agree with this, that I think people who are more, more creative, um, and look at the glass half full are approaching change with with the attitude of what good can come out of this what can i bring that would be fun or new they actually look for the new and and go towards it rather than the people who really prefer to hunker down into a routine and not change I think there's truth to that. I think, however, there needs to be balance because um, we need the people who were always scouting the frontier and looking at what's changing and looking for the new, uh, if you want to put it that way, and uh, what possibilities there might be. However, we also need the settlers. Um, because there are things that we've discovered or places that we've been that are good and uh, best practices or whatever that have been so helpful. So I think rather than just going and looking for change all of the time, we can lose then those things that have served us well. Um, So I think that's one of the reasons why some people resist change because not all change brings about the best results you know things might have been better until the change occurred yeah so i think we can have a healthy perspective of change and that what are the options and possibilities here and they can potentially be good but also realize you know change for change sake is not necessarily um where you want to go because what you had may have been better and gosh there are so many practical examples of that right people who leave one marriage because they feel like it's stale and go looking for grass that's greener on the other side and once they've made that change they realize oh my god what have i done (laughs) um and you know things that aren't that serious but uh happen you move from one place to another right maybe it turns out to be the best thing you could have done or maybe in retrospect you realize you know that change would didn't help me much yeah i love that idea of the balance of both being needed and it makes me think of the body of christ so all these different parts and all the different um giftings that we bring together to the whole community um, that we need all those different parts and as we go through different seasons appreciating and leaning into the parts that help us through those seasons in the best ways but also remembering that there's such a balance in the diversity well I've said this before I don't know if I've said it on this particular uh in this venue of our counting the stars but it's it's what i wish our uh 
political parties could see that we need traditionalists and conservatives as well as progressives um, because we need the people who are pushing the envelope, but we need the people who are honoring the things that have worked well in the past. And if the people who hold those ideals can work together to find um, a middle way and cooperate how much better things could be rather than thinking it has to be one way or the other. We have to hold on to everything right. in the past or we've got to change everything. Um, makes things crazy. Sure. And you could imply that to, you know, a marriage, to a family unit, to friendships, to all relationships. Um, that balance of, of, realizing what's good and what needs to change and adjusting and adapting and uh, those are all such great things and realizing that when you're making changes it's okay and it's realistic to expect failure at times that that you know sometimes you look to change something and and it turns out it wasn't really the best way to do things or the right thing to do and to learn from that and adapt and move on and sometimes the change works out wonderfully well maybe even better than we anticipated but I think if you can as 38 special says hold on loosely um, and realize that we're gonna fail um, but don't be afraid to change because you might fail. Of course you might. Um, but that's part of maturity and growing and experiences. Yeah, some things don't work. Sometimes things don't work out the way we thought. Yeah, I think failure is so underappreciated for the lessons that it can teach you. And we've been ingrained to think that that success is always winning and never failing. And that's just, I don't, I don't agree at all. The, the best and most valuable lessons I've learned in my life have come through failures. <laughs> Painful, yes. But you gain so much when you walk through them. Mm-hmm. So adaptability, that's a... That is a rich ground. Yeah, and again, it's we've talked about dualistic thinking on our uh, in our conversations before. That when we begin to view the world as black and white or either or, and that there are only two ways, um, kind of the the good way or the bad way. Mm-hmm. Well, then it makes trying to uh, face change daunting and impossible because if that's the way you view the universe then it's hard to explore because you've automatically labeled some things as bad and if the outcome isn't what you expected then it's bad so it's being able to hold on that again hold on to those things in a more loose manner so that yeah, they may not have worked out exactly the way you anticipated, but what, again, did you learn from it? And um, 
and you can find more joy, I think, and enjoyment if you're willing to look at the both end and the the realm of possibilities rather than it has to be one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the black and white thinking, I think, limits life. It limits our exploring all the colors of the rainbow that are out there. Right. And it, gosh, you saying that makes me think immediately of, in my role as a pastor, how many different times, and I think we have talked about this some, uh, how many different times people have come and asked me about trying to find God's will. Well, if you couch that in dualistic thinking, and there's either one right will of God or not, as you face this decision, it's going to paralyze you, and you'll always second-guess yourself. Whereas if the will of God is simply to abide in Him, to be connected to Him, then there's any realm of possibilities that lay before you, and they're not necessarily right or wrong. It's it's simply living in, in concert with His Spirit, um, which is goodness and love and peace and mercy. It's living in concert with those things, regardless of the decision to move to Altoona or stay put or explore running for public office or not, or whatever it might be, that those aren't, you know, um, so serious that you're outside the will of God if you make one of those decisions. Uh, So again, that destructive kind of uh, limiting thinking of it's got to be this way or that way. Yep. Very, very true. And it's hard. That takes practice. Um, uh, we've been conditioned to kind of view things as off or on, black or white, you know, right or wrong. And we've been told, you know, don't get, don't walk those slippery slopes of where there are shades of gray or what did they call it when I was growing up? That was, boy, I was told, don't dare fall into situational thinking. <laughs> well, the problem is it is situational. It depends on the context yeah. uh, so many times as to how you can look at things. And if you automatically declare things either being as affirmative or negative, um, it limits the way you're able to experience life. Or create life. And as Richard Rohr would call it, finding the third way. So in our right now moments, we have situations that are brand new and we find ourselves with, you know, a new landscape. So finding that third way, creating a way and adapting to the current situation becomes so valuable and so meaningful and if we can see it as an opportunity, then we have we have something to work with. Yeah, I can even think that while we're having this talk, um, that there will be you know people who will push back against it. But I do want to say, I, I, there I think there is room for 
either or thinking at times. It's not that we can't do that. It's obviously helpful in so many situations. Um, do I let my kids play in the street when there's traffic? Well, that's there is really only one good answer, I think, for that, and it's no. <laughs> but so I don't want to say, well, everything is just kind of shades of gray, because that's not what I meant. Um, clearly, if we're looking to be disciples of Jesus, uh, and part of the group listening here has made that determination, well, then living as as his disciple, at some level, there is some either-or thinking. You know, I uh, can't—Jesus has told me not to return evil for good, or, you know, evil for evil. Um, He's told me that to live an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is not the way. Um, So to live, you know, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. So clearly he's made some delineation between what is found in his life versus what is not found in his life. So yes, there is kind of some either or thinking um, there. But beyond that, it opens up loads of possibility. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make that one clarification that mm-hmm. um, clearly there are things that we can do that would not be in keeping with ste- in step with the things of God's Spirit. Um, and not, everything is not just uh, shades of gray. But. Mm-hmm. Although even in saying that, <laughs> there are people who would say objectively this is the black and the white, and then someone else would say, well, no, objectively this is the black and the white. So it's open yeah. to everyone's individual interpretation. That's right. As well. Yeah, because <laughs> if you think God's will is one particular thing and someone else thinks it's another, that's right. Uh, for me... Uh, it all has to f- come back to the foundation of God's character and essence, which is love. And if is some if something is done outside of love, it's not His will. And I'm and I'm not going to buy the argument that there's tough love, um, which exerts manipulation and coercion and pain on somebody. Um, I think that's a human. Uh, description or a human kind of uh distortion oh yeah a distortion or or what's the word it's a justification Mm -hmm. we try to justify our actions by saying it's tough love Mm -hmm. um sometimes we have to set boundaries but if we're going to cause someone um if we're going to manipulate them uh, and abuse them then i don't think it's love i always think of the parable of the prodigal son Um, in normal kind of what we view as normal uh, life today if a a child came up and asked us look you're better off dead to me I want all you know my inheritance right now in the name of tough love we would say well not no but hell no uh you're obviously not mature enough to handle that kind of money and i'm not going to give you a dime Uh, you're going to learn how to uh, be more um reasonable in what you're doing and so no 
But that's not what happens in the parable. The father gives him the money, which on the surface looks amazingly foolish. But the father doesn't attempt to manipulate him. Does the father know he's going to go make a mess of his life? You bet he does. But the father knows he's got to learn these lessons himself. And that simply trying to coerce him and manipulate him into obedience is never going to produce love. So I I think of that when I think of tough love. The father does not exhibit the kind of tough love we would imagine, uh, but rather lets the son learn some things the hard way, mm-hmm. um, but is always there to receive him back. Yeah, so, and there's another example of suffering, failure, and that being what brings about his awakening mm-hmm. and walks him into life for the first time. Yeah, that's right. I've been, um, for years now, working my way through different writings of George MacDonald's. And um, so he was a pastor and a writer in the 1800s. In Scotland. In Scotland. And lots of theological sermons are out there by George MacDonald, and I, I've tried <laughs> reading some of those and put them down rather quickly, but his novels, especially the novels that are adapted to some modern language that you can relate to a little easier. I think Michael Phillips is his name who adapted them. I'll put it in the notes. But the the one that I have remained with and go back to, and I can read a page or two out of this novel. It's called The Curate's Awakening. And literally just digest that one page or two pages. It's so rich in thought and process and relationships and dynamics of growing and changing uh, that I always go back to it and and find more every time I do. So in the the last little piece that I read, it's a rector of a church in England who has come to his golden years, his retirement years, and realize, realizes that he hasn't done anything. He doesn't know God. He's dedicated his entire life to repre- being a representative of God and doesn't know what he's talking about. And so he's confessing this awakening moment to the curate that he oversees, which is such a humbling place to mm-hmm. even put himself in. But this is where this is where he is. And the curate is so gracious and so willing to support him. And so one of the things that makes me consider is for the people who are 
going through this difficult time in their older years and what it's doing to them and how can how can we support them because there's there are bound to be you know awakenings and sufferings and and they've already lived an entire life of <laughs> yeah the main thing that comes to my mind as you say that mary which is awesome is again this either or thinking that views life as a competition mm. um that rector could easily see himself as a failure yeah. because he's spent his whole life doing these things and yet feels like he knows nothing um and someone who's reading it could see the cured is saying, see how far ahead the cured is. So almost a competition type thing. Mm. But we don't know the, the emotional, historical, cultural baggage that each person carries. Uh, we all have our own neuroses, our own skeletons in the closet, our own... Um, weights and filters the way we see life which um even if we've grown up in the same household we're going to see things differently you know my brothers and i i have three older brothers and a younger sister Uh, all of us view life differently as you would say with your own siblings well we had the same parents we had the basically the same environment i mean a little bit of change but um we the things that happened to us affected us differently one um, thing that you know my brothers may have experienced they found positive and I experienced the same thing but yet I experienced it negatively so all of these things we don't even think about and so when I hear the story of this rector I think you know how much how what were the heavy loads that he carried throughout his entire life and was only later able to see. Um, and that that's a, a beautiful thing that, it, you know, it's not competitive and God does not discard him. I mean, that we're all valuable and um, that that's just part of life's journey mm-hmm. is working through all of that stuff. So, to me, uh, that's encouraging to me, is it's not like I've got to figure out how to get my life completely in order now. I mean, what does that even mean? Right. Um, but just to take it a day at a time and, and again, hold on loosely, gosh, to not view our lives as successes or failures in that respect. Because if we were honest, almost nobody could then view it as successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have a bit of an ingrained expectation that we should be climbing a ladder of wisdom and knowledge that is consistent with our years as we age. And that's not always the case. It's so like we all have our own journey and we're all doing the best we can Mm-hmm. on that journey as we go and it's going to look different and feel different for each one of us so the the less we can judge ourselves and those around us the better and just 
Just take it one day at a time. Yeah, and it, even thinking of our the title of this conversation we have, Counting the Stars, you know, if we got a group of us outside to look up and count the stars and we asked everybody, you know, as you look at the sky, find a star that really kind of strikes your fancy or might be your favorite tonight or whatever. I suspect for the most part, we get 10 different answers, right? Mm-hmm. Because the way we even count the stars and view life is going to be different and that that's okay. That there's not an objective. That star's the best one. <laughs> pick <laughs> the right one. <laughs> Hope you, and if you didn't pick the right one. I mean, that's a good <laughs> illustration. Did you pick the right star out of the thousands you see up there as the, being the right one? And if you didn't, then you messed your life up. It's like, what kind of pressure is that? Um, but simply the ability to, to count the stars... And engage life is the gift and to enjoy that gift. Not that we have to do it all perfectly because, I mean, it's obvious, it's impossible. But we live under that kind of expectation and pressure, which then steals the joy of living from us. Yeah. And then as we're counting our stars to live in the community where we share and participate in each other's stories and and accept one another and support one another boy what an ideal place that would be well and it can happen in um certainly in smaller units i think you can find good friends and family and whatnot where you can be mutually supportive and that's the place to start you know don't try to bite off more than you can chew and if if we can find those places you know let the Spirit of God figure out how to multiply that across a, a greater area, mm. um, but to do the part we can in the places we are. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We hope you feel encouraged and included in all of these discussions. Above all, we really want you to know that you matter. We're all really just one big family. So until next week, keep noticing your stars. Enjoy your freedom to explore life and just take it one step at a time. Peace.